This is Resonance 104.4 FM, flipping marvellous. Uh, I'm Nick Hennigan and welcome to another slice of literary London where we talk about, well, you know, literature and London. Except not today. Because today, you may hear, I'm in a slightly windy, isn't that? Uh, slightly windy. A slightly windy Stratford upon Avon, home, of course, of the Bard. And I'm here, actually, oh, I might as well tell you, I'm here, well, because I like to be here, I'm here courtesy of uh, a, an organisation called uh, Screens uh, Skills and also an organisation called the Arts Council of England, who very kindly awarded me a place on a two day workshop that uh, we've been studying here called uh, Making Theatre Digital. Um, and uh, we've been looking at case studies at the Royal Shakespeare Company because they are currently filming Much Ado About Nothing. Um, it's been fascinating, and in fact, I'm going to get the uh, skills uh, people in. I'm going to get some of these these uh, filmy people in and television people in to have a chat um, in a few weeks' time. I was going to try and grab them today, but it's you know end of a conference. You know what that's like. So there's been 15 of us. We were at the um, the Claw Institute, uh, which is uh, a place that holds very special memories for me because a few years ago, if you know Stratford upon Avon, the Claw Institute uh, is on Waterside. A few years ago, it used to be called the World of Shakespeare. And the actual room we were in for the last couple of days used to be the World of Shakespeare. And it was also used as a theatre. And it was used as a theatre in 1990. Oh, I think it was about 94 or 96. 90, for my play, uh, I wrote an adaptation in 1992 of Henry V called Henry V Lion of England, I've mentioned it before. Um, and uh, it uh, got, we did it for one night at the Midlands Arts Centre in Birmingham. And it was one of those kind of crazy nights where I thought everyone was running for the door and it was a standing ovation. And in the bar afterwards, a bloke tapped me on the shoulder and said, that was rather good. How do you fancy going to the Edinburgh Festival? And I went, what's that? But I'll go anyway. Um, and it was uh, a company called Star War. They managed at the time people like Jasper Cabot and feel cool and they took us to the Edinburgh Festival in 1992 and it was that really that gave me the inspiration if you like to uh, launch Maverick Theatre Company and the Maverick Theatre Company is all about access and I went to Edinburgh which if you've not been before uh, we're going again this year hot news off the press yes I've just got the rights to a new play about Winston Churchill and Robert Lloyd George but I'll tell you more about that sorry David Lloyd George I'll tell you more about that later hey eh? it's all going on here isn't it so uh, it was rather marvellous and I thought Edinburgh is such a brilliant place and there are, oh, every space becomes a performance area. And being from Birmingham at the time, Britain's second city, sorry Manchester, I uh, came back to Birmingham and said, oi, why don't we do something like that here? Um, and they largely told me to go away, to be honest, the funding bodies at the time, but they soon warmed and we set up uh, the first professional pub theatre in Birmingham at the Billsley Pub on the estate where I was dragged up and we did uh, eventually did you know quite well I think for 10 years eight years or so um, so but during that time my play uh, Henry V Lion of England ended up doing quite well in Edinburgh as well it also then from Edinburgh went to uh, well more or less all around the world for a, quite a while and then it came back to London uh, sorry to Birmingham and we decided we were going to do it in Stratford-upon-Avon with a company called Almost Perfect Productions and the late Ray Rosenberg, God bless him, uh, and Neil Foster from the Birmingham Stage Company. And we performed with an actor called Michael Shaw, who was rather jolly good. We performed, I think, for about ooh, three months at Birmingham Rep, the old Rep, Birmingham Old Rep. Uh, and then we came to Stratford-upon-Avon for the summer. 
and we were in the very venue, as I've mentioned, it's now called the Claw Learning Centre. It's next to Carlu Shows, you can't miss it. Uh, and we were there all summer, and uh, a good time was had by all. So I've got very fond memories of Stratford. Um, they also, there's a sort of energy here as well, uh, because of course we're not in London, um, and the company, the acting company, uh, come here and uh, stay for the whole period of the season. Uh, and it's quite nice, they were very sociable to us. So they have, for instance, a, an RSC cricket match they invited Maverick Theatre. They have an RSC rowing competition, they invited Maverick Theatre. Um, slight problem with that, of course, is the Royal Shakespeare Company <clears throat> is a company of many hundreds of people. Maverick had a one-man show. <laughs> so our acting company was one. Stage manager, one. Me, what? So there were about four in our company, so we weren't able to put together a cricket team, um, and we didn't do the rowing either, but we had a great time. It's a lovely pub as well called The Dirty Duck. Uh, my mate Robbie Williams, Rob Williams I should say, the musician, uh, still has very fond memories of that place and Pam, who used to run it, Pam was a legend in Stratford-upon-Avon at the time and certainly a legend in that pub. She was a very formidable woman, very formidable. Jennifer Earl, I wish I, have I said that right, Earl? Jennifer Ely. She was lovely, she was a part of the company as well and uh, some very fond memories, so it's quite nice being back here. And I've been moved partly by that, also partly by Den of Geek, which is an, an American website, to have a little think about uh, adaptan, adaptations of Shakespeare. Um, the Much Ado About Nothing, I'm reviewing it actually uh, on bohemianbritain.com, which is kind of my podcast. And I mean, the, the story of that you pay, may already know is that, that our Residence FM podcast became, was voted the number two bohemian podcast to follow in the world number one being in New York and it made me smile slightly because how can you be a successful bohemian? Does that mean you have like two tins of beans instead of one? Have you got a bigger garret than anyone else in which to agonise and create? I don't know. The result was bohemianbritain.com. Go and have a look. Uh, sign up for it as well actually as a newsletter as well. It'd be great to hear from you. <laughs> so it's a fairly new um, project. I started writing reviews at the Edinburgh Festival last year. These radio shows end up on there as well. So yes, bohemianbritain.com. Do get in touch. Um, uh, and say hello, hello. So uh, I've been moved anyway to, to looking at adaptations, my own version of uh, Henry V, uh, Henry V, Lion of England. Um, I then went on to do a few more. I did uh, a version of Hamlet called Hamlet Horatio's Tale with no other than Sir Derek Jacobi, he of I, Claudius. Sir Derek Jacobi was the voice of my old, uh, old Hamlet. Uh, and then I did a Romeo and Juliet, uh, which did rather well at the Edinburgh Festival, because rather than being warring houses, I decided to make it warring football teams. So it was Aston Villa and Birmingham City. Oh, yes. I did think about Celtic and Rangers, but it's a bit more than football, that, isn't it? So I've got a bit, you know, yes. So I stayed away from that. Um, and there is a chance, actually, that we're going to be doing that again in Birmingham, at Birmingham Repertory Theatre. Watch this space. I've got a meeting with them next month. Hey. It's all going on in it. Um, but I wanted to look at adaptations of Shakespeare. Um, uh, in between the wind, hang on, a bit of wind, and you hear that? Those, those are actually, <laughs> I don't know if you could hear that. If you're listening in stereo, of course you will. Um, that, those were swans taking off. I am literally <laughs> outside the Royal Shakespeare Theatre on the riverside, uh, a very pleasant place it is too, a big wheel off to me right, the butterfly farm's down there somewhere. Um, I've started watching a TV show called uh, is it Shakespeare and Hathaway, daytime BBC television, 
one of those kind of gentle comedy whodunits thing. And I'm sure it's partly because, actually, I just like looking at scenes of Stratford. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so having done those adaptations, I'm working on a Richard III at the moment. I thought I'd look at, share with you one or two films that I think are interesting. And probably, or you may be aware or may not be aware, that really owe their very existence to Shakespeare. So, this is the kind of list of films that I think you might find of interest and you can, you know, look them all up if you want to. You don't have to, love. You don't have to. My Private Idaho was a film made in 1991 based on, really, Henry IV Part One, Henry IV Part Two, and Henry V. So, uh, my own Private Idaho, obviously, uh, is about two male hustlers who travel the country and the world to find themselves and to find meaning in their lives. So, um, one of the adaptations that just seems obviously Shakespearean, Keanu Reeves, of course, uh, is the, the big name there. He played the character Scott and um, pretty much lifted straight from Henry IV, where um, Henry's son, you may know uh, if you know the history plays, leads a rebellious life until he can inherit his father's fortune. Yes, my own private Idaho, made in 1991 and based on the on the Henrys. Uh, another film that owes its um, roots to Shakespeare is um, She's the Man, made in 2006. Now, perhaps not the greatest film in the world, um, but uh, as a Shakespeare adaptation, it's, it's quite good, really. The gender swapping and the slapstick humour and little references to Twelfth Night um, do make it somewhat enjoyable, although... As someone made, made the point to me, I'm sure Shakespeare didn't bother too much with stupid montages and public displays of nudity. Did he? No, he had bottom. But that's about as... Yes. Anyway, She's the Man. <laughs> 2006, based on Twelfth Night. Don't you know? Now then, 2010, there was a film called The Tempest. And guess what? It was based on The Tempest. And a film directed by uh, Julie Taymor. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, almost a sort of an art piece as much as a film, really. I think she switches the gender of Prospero to Prospera, and many of but uh, many of the main elements of the film remain true to the Tempest. Um, she does a really good job, really, just not just casually changing genders within the film, but she deals with the consequences of these gender swaps as well. So the magical elements of this Tempest are quite remarkable and uh, a visually stunning film. So well worth a look. Twenty ten, The Tempest, directed by Julie. Taymor. I think I've got that right. Was it? Yeah. Uh, in 2003, there was a film called Deliver Us From Eva. <laughs> yes, EVA. Deliver Us From Eva, based on The Taming of the Shrew. Now, there's a few a few uh, productions based on Taming of the Shrew, and, and let's face it, Shakespeare, provided he did exist. Yes, I think he did. Shakespeare basically invented the rom-com. Yeah, so... It's not surprising that many of our modern romantic comedies films that are based on his plays. Um, so The Taming of the Shrew has probably generated the most rom-coms, as I mentioned earlier. Deliver Us From Evil is an ur urban adaptation of this with the same premise. So that's a difficult woman. Deliver Us From Eva, I should say, yes. Eva is the difficult woman. She becomes a subject of a bet. In this case, her sister's boyfriends and husbands complain that Eva is making their lives miserable. So they hire Ray to get Eva out of their hair. And of course, that's when Ray begins to fall in love. Oh, yeah, baby. This adaptation remains very true to the spirit of Shakespeare, while adding its own flair. Quite a good film. Deliver Us from Eva, 2003. 
Um, this is an interesting one. Chimes at Midnight from 1966. It's sort of very loosely based on oh, I don't know Henry the Fourth Part One Henry the Fourth Part Two Richard the Second Henry the Fifth Mary Wise of Windsor so it's a fairly obscure film perhaps but um, and arguably the one furthest from its source material so Orson Welles doesn't just create a film of course it was an Orson Welles film doesn't just create a film based on Shakespeare it's more like he completely destroys it and remakes it recreates it all blended together the story follows Sir John Falstaff of course through his appearance in Shakespeare's various histories. Um, and of course, even the name chimes at midnight uh, from 1966. He's from Henry the Fourth, which one is it? Henry the Fourth Part. Uh, one of the Henrys, anyway. And I think it's a quote from Falstaff when Hal, the young Prince Henry, who's been carousing and, you know, being a lad, doing naughty things, um, when he actually grows up, and then Falstaff, of course, who was the older, naughty leader of the gang. Um, uh, Henry V, when Henry, when Henry becomes king, he, he shuns him. I know thee not, old man. And I think his response, uh, Falstaff's response is, but we have heard the chimes at midnight, Master Harry. In other words, you know, we've been carousing. But no, nope, it doesn't work out. He, uh, uh, Henry V decides he's going to be a good king and he doesn't like, doesn't need ne'er-do-wells like Sir John Falstaff hanging around him. So yes, chimes at midnight, 1966. Uh, created by Orson Welles, who always sort of does interesting things, doesn't he? Um, I love this one, 1985, Ran. Kurosawa, I said that right, Kurosawa. The director Kurosawa, um, the revenge and murder-filled classic King Lear, of course. And Kurosawa comes along and um, makes an incredible sort of badass version, as the Americans might say, uh, but adds quite a lot of Japanese flair. So he takes King Lear from the, the UK and places him in feudal Japan and then decides to toss in a few Japanese legends. And It's a brilliant adaptation, really. Um, obviously very Asian, um, some cultural tweaking here and there, but really the story of King Lear. Uh, and I say, visually really, really good. My mate Andy, Andy Bloom. How you doing, Andy? He's living in France now. He might not be listening to it. He might. Hello, mate. You're right. Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah. Um, he's living in France now. He 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 raved about this when it came out. Um, well, not when it came out. When he when he when he was talking to me about it. One of his favourite films. He likes his films. Does our Andy? Ran, as in R A N. And that was released in uh, 1985. Um, number nine on this list. Yes, indeed. It says, just like a pop pig, a DJ, don't I? Yeah, because that's what I used to do, yeah. Um, I actually listened to my old radio station as well yesterday. BRMB. Oops, excuse the wind. That's not me, dear. It's the, the wind blowing. Um, yeah, it's BRMB. It's now called, uh, what's it called now? It's called something else now. Anyway, it was interesting. Gosh, I was on there. So, number nine, Kiss Me Kate, of course. Made in 1953. The Cole Porter Classic. Um, it's a bit more meta than people give it credit for, perhaps, but um, the main characters acting in a production are acting in a production of The Taming of the Shrew. Um, they're also living out its plot, of course. And the title comes from a line, again, like Chimes at Midnight, um, comes from a line within the Shakespearean classic, Kiss Me, Kate. Because uh, in the world of musical theatre, this film and the musicals are a classic. Yeah, Kiss Me, Kate, based on The Taming of the Shrew. That was released in 1953. Moving right along, uh, next number eight, uh, another adaptation based on the taming of the shrew is Things I Hate About You from 1999. Ooh, another rom-com based on the taming of the shrew. Um, but um, it's probably one of the most popular and well made out of all the rom-coms on this list. Follows the classic story, girl is a hard ass, boy bets he can win her over, boy falls in love, falls in love, boy gets into trouble. Um, classic teen drama, really, and a great adaptation. And, of course, it features the late 
uh, great Heath Ledger as well before he did the Joker. Rather sad, sad story. Number seven at 2000, Hamlet, which was based on Hamlet, a dark modern take on Shakespeare. Instead of Denmark, we find ourselves in the Denmark Corporation. So instead of killing the king, Hamlet's uncles murdered the CEO. Um, there's a great scene where Ophelia sort of drowns herself. I say it's a great scene in the company fountain. So it's not the best made film, but uh, it's certainly not. It's certainly one of the more ingenious films. Um, yeah, it's a movie from betrayal in a kingdom to sort of corporate betrayal. That doesn't sound that far off, does it? Yes, Hamlet. Uh, released in 2000. Number six, hey, excitement. Throne of Blood, 1957. If you can hear that noise in the background, it's the, I'm outside uh, at the Royal Shakespeare Company. Uh, I'm Nick Hennigan, this is Residence 104.4 FM. We're also on Bohemian Britain um, and uh, all over the interweb, really, aren't we? And I'm looking at Shakespeare adaptations, as I'm in Stratford-upon-Avon at the moment, outside the Royal Shakespeare Theatre. Um, the Taming of the Shrew, uh, Taming of the Shrew, Much Ado About Nothing is about to happen. Uh, and we're just running through a few films based on Shakespeare. Uh, so, yes, Throne of Blood, 1957. Based, of course, on Macbeth. Another Shakespearean classic, which is uh, a Kurosawa masterpiece. Again, Kurosawa. Kurosawa. I hope I'm saying that right. You film guys will know. Um, it's interesting how well Shakespeare tragedies translate into these sort of Japanese feudal tales. And they do kind of lend themselves, don't they? Um, a lot of Shakespeare sources were... Holland Shed and uh, who else was it, you know, the other one. Um, but this works quite well. Follows the story of Macbeth. Some people consider it to be the best adaptation of Macbeth ever made. Some liberties are taken, but that's to be expected when you, you know, translate a classic tale for another culture. But well worth a look. Kurosawa's Throne of Blood from 1957. Number five on our top chart is, of course, Romeo and Juliet, based on... Romeo and Juliet and of course I'm talking about the 1996 film that keeps the language of Shakespeare and uses it in a modern setting and of course I think it made every teenager in the 1990s swoon didn't it really uh, also one of the better soundtracks of any of the films uh, it's got a great soundtrack um, and is it a bit soppy but of course it's based on Romeo and Juliet isn't it really it's one of the soppiest love stories of all and it's tugged at the heartstrings of angst ridden teens since Shakespeare's day but an accessible adaptation that almost everyone can understand. Of course, Leo DiCaprio and was it Claire Thing Bobby? Uh, they played the lead. They played the lead couple. Yes, 1996, Romeo and Juliet. At number four, we've got a Midsummer Night's Dream, released in 1999, a film based on a Midsummer Night's Dream. Mm, yeah, one of the perhaps best films on the list, based on one of the Bard's best tales. An adaptation that's more modern in the sense that it's set in a more modern era, but not the present day. So it keeps slightly at, you know, at arm's length. But it's quite funny, it's cute, holds true to the original. And they manage to capture some of the magic that's sometimes difficult to translate from stage to film. They do that quite well. So if you fancy having a look at A Midsummer Night's Dream, 1999. Uh, number three on the list is Titus from 1999 as well, based on Titus Andronicus. Always laugh really when people imply that our media's gotten more violent over the years. All you need to do is, um, you know, look at Shakespeare, Titus Andronicus. Perhaps one of the most violent of Shakespeare's plays, although I suppose the bloodiest has still got to be Macbeth, hasn't it? Some of the violent acts are, are quite violent, including cannibalism, actually. It's a, a revenge tale gone horrifically wrong, and Julie Taymor, again, manages to honour the, the horror of the original play without turning it into sort of a snuff film, really. Um, so, a really good film, Titus, 
released in 1999. Uh, meanwhile, number two is West Side Story, of course. Everyone knows that, don't they? West Side Story, released in 1961. That one, yeah, that one. A film really shows how adaptable Shakespeare is, really. The Bard didn't know anything about Puerto Rico gangs in New York, of course, all the difficulties of being uh, an immigrant in America, but they made a brilliant musical of it. Uh, it's lifted Shakespeare out of the past and makes it far more relevant to the 1960s. I mean, <coughs> there's some, you know, amazing knife fights and Maria's about as Puerto Rican as Shakespeare but it's um, there's something about the adaptation that continues to speak I think and of course they've just done I think isn't Spielberg done a new version Mason down the pub was telling me he likes his films as Mason down the pub um, and of course I suppose number one although I'd add when I've forgotten actually of course Much Ado About Nothing I, should, I shouldn't have forgotten that should I because Much Ado About Nothing is what I just saw and as I say you can read a review of it or the first half because we're filming it we're not I'm not filming it the RSC are filming it so I watched the first half live last night uh, and I'm going to review it on bohemianbritain.com a written review and then I'm going to watch the uh, second half on the telly when it comes out I think it's going to be BBC4 and they they never allow they never announce when these things are going to happen I think until the Radio Times comes out <laughs> um, but it's going to be soon I think um, and Much Do About Nothing I really like Ken Branagh's version of Much Do About Nothing him and Emma Emma Thompson Ken and Em when they were still an item um, and they'd been together about what was it he said oh four miserable years I think I seem to remember um, they were still together um, and it's it's I really like it Denzel Washington's in it Keanu Reeves gets a bit of a pasting for his performance but I don't think it's too bad at all and I quite like if you're into film geekery um, I quite like the last shot of the film and the last line of uh, Much Ado about nothing because in a sense actually it's in the title isn't it yes. the last line is Strike Up Pipers um, and there's a brilliant musical score by Paddy uh, by um, oh blimey what's his name Paddy you know Paddy you know, you know. Um, and uh, yeah Strike Up Pipers and then the, the last shot goes on for about oh well, it seems like hours, of course it doesn't, it's, but it's minutes. And it's all one take, and it starts with the dancers, strike up pipers, uh, following the, the revellers. It was actually a clever idea, because he, he filmed it in Tuscany, in a beautiful house, and the house was the set for the film. It was also the production base, so everyone kind of moved out to Tuscany for, for, the, for the shoot. Um, and yes, and the camera actually starts with uh, strike up pipers with the two lovers, and then it follows dancing hordes through the house, and then it this is all one shot out into the back garden and then it starts to rise up in the air and then finally the last shot of the film is the villa in all its glory and the Tuscan hills and the sun's just about to set and it's all in one take and apparently he did it in, I think they did three takes of that and he had to if they hadn't got it that time the sun would have gone down and it would have been ruined and it was the last day of production I think so yes go and have a look at Much Ado About Nothing Ken Branner Ken and him um I say some fine performances but I suppose really if we're talking about Shakespeare adaptations the king of them all has got to be the Lion King yeah but uh, 1994 that was released based of course on Hamlet quite incredible on its own um, and as a Shakespeare adaptation it sort of um, adapts the tale to lessen its violence obviously because it's a kids thing isn't it really and creates a happy ending which doesn't happen in Hamlet let me tell you <laughs> uh, but it stays true to the themes of family betrayal loss and finding one's identity uh, Tiemann and Pumbaa I hope I've said that right are really just sort of teaching Simba 
Um, uh, and above all else, to thine own self be true. So in this one, we get to watch Simba retake his kingdom. I'm sure Shakespeare himself would have been proud of that. Uh, but of course, that doesn't really happen when, in, um, as you know, Hamlet, yes, it's not, it's not a happy end. So there you go. Uh, those are my recommendations for Shakespeare film adaptations. Thanks again to the Den of Geek for suggesting some of those uh, and also giving me the, the notion for it. Um, if you'd like to get in touch, then please do, as always. Uh, radio at mavericktheatre.co.uk is probably the the easiest way. I am actually on Twitter. I think it's at Lit London Radio or something. That's not very easy, is it? I am on Twitter, at Nick Hennigan. Uh, but that's not very easy either, H-E-N-N-G-A-N. So if you're on Twitter, say hello. Um, and if you've got any films or comments, yeah, any films that you think I've missed out on, or if you disagree, then again, get in touch, either radio at mavericktheatre.co.uk or on Twitter, at Lit London Radio, or at Nick Hennigan. <laughs> Anything else? Or, of course, uh, go on the blog. Go to the blog Bohemian Britain, www.bohemianbritain.com, uh, where there'll be a written review of uh, the play that we saw at the Royal Shakespeare Company, Much Ado About Nothing. Um, and these radio shows always end up on there as well. Um, so that's about it, really. I mean, the wind's still blowing, the big wheels turning. Oh, there you go, a bit of wind. Right on cue. The big wheels turning around the corner. The swans are, are uh, bobbing on the River Avon. Um, it really is a beautiful part of the world and one of my faves. In fact, I think, were it not for London, I could probably live here. Mm, we'll see about that. But that's it from me. Until next time, thank you very much for your company. Uh, keep listening. Uh, so do get in touch if you've got any comments or think I've missed out on any films or if you've got any ideas for anything you'd like me to cover if you're perhaps a writer you've written a book get in touch let's have a chat about it um, this is Literary London and we are on Resonance 104.4 FM